How about that? Okay. I have named this, obviously, because, well, this is the Gooseth Cult, <laughs> where everything is a possible topic, and nothing is off the menu, yeah. including yeah. the cheese crumbs that you leave on the beach. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. Well, we should I... introduce ourselves. Yeah, uh, this is Kaden. Kaden. Call me Starkiller. But, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I am Starkiller. But, okay, Kaden. Basically, um, I am a good friend of the other person. And Robert Brown. I do some stuff. Yeah, I am Jonah, I am otherwise known as Goose on a Moose, because you've heard of Elf on the Shelf, but not Goose on the Moose. Uh, so, will we start with uh, just recapping the last week? Kaden, did you do that? The last week, there hasn't been much I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I- I'd agree with that, it's been a pretty tame week. Thankfully, it's been tame. <laughs> We'll just wait for another week. <laughs> like, Next week, it might be a totally different year, honestly. Uh, we might yeah. just be stuck in space. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like this. Yeah. Nothing's really happened this mm. week, thankfully. So, that's... Yeah. But, that's a little bit of relief. Yeah. You might well, not know as much, but... Especially since we are up in the land of the Meath. Yes. Where, since the majority of everything is happening a little bit south of us. <laughs> not super far, but yeah, not for, super far enough to not know enough. <laughs> we're, so. we're the hat of America. Yes, we are, we are America's hat. <laughs> America's very cold hat. Yeah. Alright. So uh, that's great. Yeah, let's get on to the topic. So the main topic, topic for this, whatever this is, um, is cancel culture. Just, um, you may know what it is or may not. Main thing is, is cancel culture is usually happens on Twitter. Um. Yeah. When when it happens, it's usually what they've said, but. Or what they've done. But generally, it can be used for good. Right? I, be- I believe it can be used for good, but it's usually used for stupid or bad reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. And generally, what cancel culture is, is canceling a creator, like 
generally getting mad at them because they, what they've said or done. And people, go, like, flat yeah. out go digging for what creators, mm. creators have said. I'm talking, yeah. like, Twitch streamers and, like, YouTubers. Um, yeah, like, when people go back years and years, like, people didn't have the same sort of, I think, what would the word be? Um, mindset. Decision-making. Decision-making yeah. and mindset, because so much has changed. Like, the world has totally changed for within the last couple of years. Like, yeah. If, say, somebody in 2016 said something that is in this day and age uh, very offensive, that's sort of not 100% their fault, I would say. Like, yeah. what, what, what would you say about that? Like, Well, if it wasn't that bad then, because you also have to look at dates and, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But if it was, but if it was still offensive then, then yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, then it would be totally just usable. Yeah, that would be something that would be decent enough to just go with it. Like, don't need like to if, like give the creator flack about it. Like, and there's some pretty stupid reasons cancel culture. Yeah. Like, what cancer culture has done, like, so, yeah. like, I have a couple, I have a few examples. Um, first of all, you may know Quackity from, like, the Dream SMP, and he's a big oh. Minecraft YouTuber. Yeah, 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 I remember him, I remember him. Um, he once was almost, like, a couple people were mad at him, because he was speaking oh. Spanish, and he's native, but- like, he was born in Mexico. That's his native language. That that just sounds like racism at that point. Like, that... no, they were mad at him because they thought he was American. Ugh. It was it was really dumb. Yeah, that's just that's just that people has... not doing their research. Like that either happened like two or one month ago. Oh wow, it was that recent. I yeah. have not actually heard of it, only since the majority of what I've been listening to is cult scripteds and conspiracies and other podcasts that sort of inspired me to start out this sort of thing, so. And the thing with cancel culture is it can be used for good, it, like, yeah. like, there it can, can be, be some people that used. think. Yeah, there are some people that think they can just get away with something, like, by saying it, like, in the middle of nowhere, but somebody's always going to find that. Somebody's going to come back, look through there, and then find what you've done. And normally this is within a year, sort of thing. And if it was offensive then, it would probably be offensive in the next couple years, if not even more offensive. So, I think that's just, yeah, I agree that cancel culture is a very problematic topic sometimes. Yeah, and, like, there's, and there's even been, like, from gameplay, like, Matt Pat, who was almost uh, canceled because he said nega, 
too fast. Uh, so it sounded like Sophia was weird. And hmm, yeah. that was like yeah. back in February 2020. And this happened mm. also like a month or two ago. But the guy Ooh. but the guy in like December eleventh, I believe, he raised three yep. million dollars for charity. Hmm. Like in yeah. one day. I think it was more. It was, I think it was more than three million dollars. Well, a little more. It was somewhere that. more close to like seven million. I was gonna start up. No, it was three million and a little bit more. It was his like he his goal was one million. Um. So. A second. Uh, he. Um. He got three point three million dollars. Yeah. Like that. That's pretty crazy. That just some guy. Uh, that just chose to do a YouTube channel one day, and then just kept going with it, was able to do that much. Like... Yeah, and he gave it all to charity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, Same that's pretty admirable. And that people can just go back on that all for a small mistake is sort of just unfathomable, unfathomable to me. Like, cause you yeah. can see they didn't mean to like do that sort of thing. It was more like tripping up over his own words, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and it sounded very like at in the moment it sounds racist, but if if you're <clears throat> getting a little offense like offended by something, research it. Like, slow down to think, see what he actually said. You get more yeah. information, and when you realize, oh, he just said nega. Oh. Hmm. Uh, oh, you just said it a little too yeah. fast. Hmm. Yeah, that's when you just need to just calm down for a second, figure out what's happening, if this is a thing that you should, like, really look into. And if you did look into it, and it was something that the person did say on purpose, then that's a good time to uh, start cancel culture again. Yeah, like when somebody again, did it on purpose for that sort of thing. Yeah. It just hits the point where, because I did see this one video and he did say that people seem to get offended by things that they think they should be offended. Yeah. And that just, yeah. And actually, I'm not, I don't get affected by it because I barely get offended. Hmm. Yeah, you're you're pretty good for that. <laughs> it's just like especially being able to live in the great, live it, live in your class. <laughs> it's, it's insane, honestly. So yeah. yeah, and one one thing for any listeners hearing uh there will be multiple different people joining in uh for these randomly like normally i will most likely be here the majority of the times because i'm the one that uh 
gets a lot of the recording itself. And then occasionally, maybe our editor might hop on. Uh, occasionally, a couple others might join on from our Discord. We're just a group of friends that just decided to make a Gooseth cult. And now here we are. So, <laughs> just yeah, a little bit of backstory. Amazing. Now back to the topic. Yeah. Like, people... I would say people can sometimes just feel... Like, if you get offended by something, stop yourself. Come over, like, stop yourself for a second. And say, does this actually offend me? Hmm. If it does, yeah. okay, let it go through. If it doesn't, hmm. then don't let it go through. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. Any other, uh, like, little things from that that you want to mention? I just think cancel culture can be used for good, but what it's mostly used for is stupid, and it's always on Twitter. Hmm, it's sort of absurd. <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Twitter, honestly, like, Twitter, honestly, as a platform is sort of questionable. Or it's just gotten that reputation because that happens sometimes with these sort of things, like yeah. that they that put that uh, social medias get these bad reputations for these people with super big personalities, like uh, super big, like oh this guy did this thing, let's spread it all across the entire platform, sort of thing. Yeah, and where the majority of it is just normal crazy and then it goes into like a mini lockdown for a while <laughs> where yeah. there are like certain buzzwords <laughs> that you can't say without getting like a chain of people following you yeah all right that's it for the this topic cancel culture yeah. okay so i have a pretty large topic and talking about large is the frank slide Frank yeah. slide is what my topic will be. So, the Frank slide is a rock slide that is taking place in Crow's Nest, Crow's Nest, uh, Albert, Crow's Nest, Albert. Canada is currently the second largest rock slide in Canada and one of the deadliest at that, killing almost 90 people. Turtle Mountain, which is the mountain that this slide happened, Turtle Mountain stands immediately south of Frank, which is a little town under the mountain, like on the edge of the mountain sort of thing. Not yeah. under it. That that would just be crazy if, like, yeah. oh, little civilization living under the mountain. Ah, let's just drop it. <laughs> it can. The uh, mountain consists of an older limestone layer folded over on top of softer materials such as shale and sandstone, therefore allowing the uh, rocks to be a little bit more slippery. And erosion had left the mountain with a steep overhang of its limestone layer. It has been long unstable, 
the Blackfoot and Kutani peoples called it, which are the uh, native, like First Nations in the area. Okay, sure. sure. This sounds like a it. This sounds like if a seventh grader was doing a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay, so just get the Blackfoot and Kutani peoples. The the mountain that moves, and refused to camp in its area in the area around it. In the weeks leading up to the disaster, Myers occasionally felt rumblings from within the mountain, which honestly, you feel that the mountain is shaking above your head. Get out! Like that's just Run. common sense. Brain people, well, brains. Well, you should well, use it. Well, common sense doesn't really exist. Yeah, yeah, that didn't happen back then. Uh, all the pressure created by the shifting rocks sometimes caused the timber supporting the mine shafts to crack and splinter. Wait, wait. Voice cracks. I know, I know. Like <laughs> the mine shaft, the timbers are breaking. People. <laughs> Just. Yeah. Use your brain, please. Just get out of the mine shaft. But no, the rumblings from the uh, earthquake from no, not the earthquake. Uh, the uh, mountain were heard by people of Frank. They were so loud they could be heard over two hundred miles away, or by Cochrane. Which, if you're around here, you know that's. Really freaking far. Around 600 people lived in the town at the time, and nearly one-sixth of the per- population were buried. Most did not survive. The bodies of those who perished could not be recovered, trapped beneath the layers of rock. In the early morning, so now, just to go over how this all happened and a little bit more backstory on it, in the early morning hours of April 29th, 1903, exactly 4.10 a.m., <clears throat> a freight train pulled out of the mine, and it was slowly making its way towards the, sa- the, the town site when the crew heard a deafening rumble behind them. The engineer immediately set the throttle to full speed ahead and sped his train to safety across the bridge over the Crow's Nest River. 30 million cubic meters of limestone rock with a mass of 110 million tons, 121 million U.S. tons, broke off the peak of Turtle Mountain. The section that broke was 1,000 meters wide, 425 meters high, and 150 meters deep. The witnesses to the disaster claimed it took about 100 seconds for the slide to reach up the opposing hills. So that basically means it was covering all the way across the valley almost. It's pure yeah. rock. And if you've ever been there, that's exactly what it is. It's pure rock. Everything was rock. And that speed indicated the rock must have been traveling at the speed of 112 kilometers per hour, 70 miles per hour. So, yeah. That is insane how that giant chunk of rock could just, like, cover that area. 
and looking at the photos, uh, like, that top where it fell was like a giant peak on there. And that sort of explains why the First Nations people refused to camp by it. Because, it, because they knew, they knew that it was going to fall on them. Can I just quick add a quick uh, nerdy remark? Um, at the okay, speed sure. Now, wait, what's that, miles? 112 kilometers. Yeah, I'm trying to think. If it was a... If it was in kilometers, I don't... Hold on. You can keep going. I'm just gonna quickly Google okay. something. So, initial reports of on the disaster indicated that Frank had been nearly wiped out, quote-unquote, by the mountain's collapse. It was thought the rock slide was triggered by an earthquake, volcanic eruption, or explosion within the mine. <coughs> Sorry, no COVID. Uh... The majority of the town survived, but the slide buried buildings on the eastern outskirts of Frank. Seven cottages were destroyed, as were several businesses, a cemetery, so a second, uh, bury, uh, a second two-kilometer stretch of road and rail tracks, and all the mine's buildings. That sounds sort of devastating, but no. (laughs) Just... No. Like, if you look at it, the majority of the town is actually still there to this day. Like, that's crazy. Oh, yeah, and the first largest was the Hope Slide in 1965. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, So, it is possible that the death toll might have been higher since as many as 50 transients had been camped at the base of the mountain while looking for work. Some residents believed that they had left Frank shortly before the slide, though there is no way to be certain. Most of the victims remained entombed beneath the rocks. Only 12 out of 90 bodies were recovered in the immediate aftermath. The skeletons of six additional victims were unearthed by, in 1924 by crews building a new road through the site, through the slide. One second. I will be back. Kaden, just fill in. My throat is getting... Ow. One second. I know. Were unearthed in 1924 by crews building a new road through the slide. Um... Initial news reports stated between 50 and 60 men were within the mountain and had been buried with no hope of survival. In reality, there were 20 miners working the night shift at the time of the disaster. Three had been outside the mine and were killed by the slide. The remaining 17 were underground. They they discovered that the entrance was blocked and water from the river, which had been dammed by the slide, was coming in via a secondary tunnel. They unsuccessfully tried to dig their way through the blocked entrance before one miner suggested he knew of a seam of coal that reached the surface. Working a narrow, narrow tunnel in pairs and threes, they dug through the coal for hours as the air around them became increasingly toxic. Only three men still had enough energy to continue digging. 
When they broke to the surface late in the afternoon, the opening was too dangerous to escape from due to falling rocks from above. <clears throat> encouraged, encouraged by the success, the Myers cut a new shaft that broke through under an outcropping of rock that protected them from falling debris. Thirteen hours after they were buried, all seventeen men emerged from the mountain. The Myers found that the row of cottages that served as their homes had been devastated, and some of their families killed, killed, seemingly at random. One found his family alive and safe in the makeshift hospital, but another emerged to discover his wife and four children had died. Fifteen-year-old Lillian Clark, working a late, knife, late shift that night in the town's boarding house, I mean, given given permission to stay overnight for the first time. She was the only member of her family to survive. Her father was working outside the mine when the slide hit, while her mother and six six siblings six siblings were buried in her home. In their home, all and twelve who, men living at the CPR work camp were killed. What? What? Kidding? What is this leading to? What are we going to discuss? Just wait, just wait. I'm only halfway through, but only 128 more were who were scheduled to move into the camp the day before the slide had not arrived. Okay, did did so did like cut to the chase. Cut to the chase. No, no, I still have a couple more mini stories. Okay, cut to the Shut. chase. <laughs> cut to the chase. So this is getting so boring. Just wait. <laughs> Morrissey, British Columbia, which were the ones trying to move those 128 people, failed to pick them up. Which, honestly, that saved a lot more people. Because if those people had gotten there, then almost 200 people would have died. Mm-hmm. Passenger train heading from Lethbridge was saved by CPR brakeman Sid Cochette. Coquetti? Coquetti. 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 Uh, one of two men who rushed across the rock-strewn ground to warn the train that the track had been buried under the slide. Through falling rocks and a dust cloud that impaired his visibility, Coquetti ran for two kilometers to warn the oncoming locomotive of the danger. The CPR gave him a letter of commendation and a $25 check, approximately $750 in 2019, in recognition of his heroism. Now, here's another little mini-story from the mines. Big Charlie. Yes. There were also a number of mine horses working the night shift at the time of the Frank slide. Most of them were near the entrance and were killed. But one horse, deep in the mine, was unhurt. Big Charlie's survival was unknown to the 17 trapped miners who made who made good their their escape. It would be 31 days before the first men re-entered the mine to assess the damage. For that entire month, Big Charlie stayed alive in the pitch black of the mine by drinking seepage water, so like the stuff dripping down, and chewing on mine timbers and his harness for vitamins and salts. The miners were elated when they eventually reached Big Charlie and found him alive. Oats and brandy were brought down fr- into the mine for the starving horse. Unfortunately, 
if you know anything with animals. If you wait for a while, like, for a long time, like a month, and then feed them, like, a feast, that would be too rich for their stomach. And that was the same thing that happened to Big Charlie. Unfortunately, the food was too rich for his stomach, and Big Charlie, the last casualty of the slide, passed away. That was not a very happy ending. I don't like it. (laughs) I don't like that story. Okay, now, just, and we are with that, going to go to the odd and weird parts of it, and why it happened, basically. Basically, super dumbed down is that the softened parts of uh, the bottom of the mountain were making the limestone start to slip and, and stuff like that. And then that winter had been very cold. And for anybody that has lived in frigid lands like Canada, I uh, knows that when temperature changes really fast with ice on the ground, breaks things. So that's basically what happened. The ice piled up in a little bit, and then when it quickly thawed and stuff like that, it cracked that bit off. They basically just ripped that piece off, and then it started to fall down. Now, but people think that numerous legends and misconceptions were spawned in the aftermath of the slide. The entire town of Frank was claimed to be buried, even though the majority of the town was unscathed, for the most part. The belief that a branch of the Union Bank of Canada had been buried with as much as $500,000 in it, persisted for many years. The bank untouched by the slide remained in the same location until it was demolished in 1911. So basically, they were on a treasure hunt for something that was right beside them. Uh. After which, the buried treasure, treasure legend arose. Crews building a new road through the pass in 1924 operated under police guard, as it was believed they could unearth the supposedly buried bank. Which, that's just stupid, because the person from the government, they should know, they should know when the bank wasn't buried, or where it was. Like, and the town isn't that big. Like... What would a good representation be? Like, think, uh, because we're talking about Merkin, uh, maybe two football fields size? That'd be a good representation? Yeah. Yeah, about that size. So really, they could have just walked through the town and found the bank. I don't know. People just... uh, I don't know. Many people have reported seeing constant mist and feeling awe, awe, yet dreadful there. So, now, what I have been waiting for is my story from when me and my class went to the Franklin Interpretive Center up there. That this is what the main story is. <laughs> okay, so, that took way too long. No. 
editing. And now, to the, uh... Actual story. Actual, actual story. Yippee. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Getting mayonnaise. Okay. So, this all started as a class trip. Uh, we live in Alberta, because this is also in Alberta. So, we just went out there for a class trip to the interpretive, interpretive Center, which is exactly, like, right across from the valley that the Frank Slide happened. Nothing really happened on the way there, but I definitely felt a little bit of just a weirdness while going in, which just happens sometimes when things are just slightly off, like the top of a mountain being crashed down. Which is just fun. So, yeah. And with that, nothing happened during the day. We took a walk through the uh, rocks from the slide. Nothing happened there, really. And from there, we were able to go back to the interpretive center and started having just a just wind down for the rest of the day sort of thing and nothing really happened until uh the time that people were supposed to be going to bed of course because it's my class i know them no one listened no nobody nobody listened nobody went to bed except for me trying to fall asleep they were all trying to last as long awake as possible. But one kid, which for uh, privacy, let's just call him... Michael. Special. You know who that is. Special? Uh, yes, yes, his name is Special. Uh, wait, no. No, no, let's not call him that. Uh, Bob. Okay, Bob. Bob. So, Bob got up in the middle of the night. And went down to the main floor just to look around and stuff, even though it was, like, 1 a.m. And he looked out the window. Uh, so he looked out the window. And he said to he said that he saw somebody, like, sort of uh, looking right into the window with, like, one hand on the window, like, palm forward and the other slightly above, sort of thing. And, yeah, with that, he ran almost straight back up, and then told it to, honestly, everybody. Because, yeah, that's what he does. Um, Later in the night, I myself... What? Hold on, I just want to quickly add this. Um, The kid that we're talking about has always not been said the truth. Uh, mm, some yeah. weird things. So, so we're just gonna add that. Mm-hmm. So, the one thing is that I haven't even told you before is I myself later in that night had seen something like odd like it. It sort of looked like a sort of silhouette sort of thing. It was during that uh, lightning storm that I was talking to you about, because in the middle of the oh. night, there was a big lightning storm. 
thought I saw some sort of silhouette. And from there, I had questioned him later in the day, Bob. Uh, like, the following morning about it. And, yeah, he... It was about the same description. So, that was odd. Also, in there, the determinative center, we chose to, because they have little telephones on the walls with little, like, voice-type recording things about the Frank slide, we tried to do that when the power was cut off to the building, because that happens every night. Don't know why, but it does. And we did that. And... The voices were still going. We did it the same telephones the next morning. It was a totally different voice. So, yeah, there might be something possessing those telephones. I'm never going back to that place again. Yeah. So, that, that was just a weird happening. And another weird anecdote from that. In the middle of the night, you could hear something that sounded like, uh, like a metal sounding sort of sound. Like, mm -hmm. it, it, it was like a train with the sound of, like, train if it had square wheels sort of thing. Like a bang, 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 bang sort of thing on metal, and it sort of felt like it was going from the lower area of that, and none of us chose to go down there because no. Not risk, mm -hmm. no. Just, just no. Yeah. <laughs> That's, like, whenever that sort of thing is happening, your best possible thing that you can do is just don't do anything. Yeah, that's why, like... Don't do anything stupid. Like, that's why in horror movies, it can be unrealistic when, like, the protagonist, like, they hear something. Huh, and then they go down they, and look at it all. They just go nowhere. If it's, like, huh. if it's, like, actually, like, a bang. Like, a bang, bang, bang. Hmm. Um. That's then, when you just, that's when in there, they just, uh, go down there. And then just like, oh, what's happening? Ooh. And then they're they're about to get murdered, but you know they have plot armor, mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, because like superpower person, like wow, I am the main character in an anime. Wow, uh, I have plot armor. Ah, uh, yes, plot All right, armor. Let's, let's get back to the point. So from that, that was just a weird night. But then, the day after, we know, uh, yeah, the day after, we went on a mine tour. It's called the Bellevue Mine. It's right across the valley again, because, well, everything over there got buried, if you hadn't realized. Uh, we went in there. People were taking photos and stuff. Nothing really super creepy happened in there, except from a couple weird chains hanging from the ceiling. Which just felt eerie. And from there, later that day, on our way back, we're going over those photos. I know, like, 
wasn't like a hundred percent ghost, ghost, ghost sort of thing, but it was sort of like a weird type of haze. Like, like it was. There was light in there. There was no mist, no haze. But in the photos, haze on every single camera. There was like seven different cameras. Totally different <laughs> uh, types of cameras as well. Like some digital cameras, some uh, like phone cameras, some tablet cameras. One person I think had like a large tablet. Uh, and they all had that same haze. So what we think was because that place had gotten a, like it had gotten a large amount of uh it was like some sort of methane explosion or something like that mm-hmm. that had uh basically gassed out the entire mine shaft. So what we so what I think was ghost methane. Ghost cow farts. Yes. Just listen. Just, yes. Yes. Just, just, just hold on. So. Okay. Another we odd fact. Here. Another odd fact that we found in there was on the side, like on the edges, there were a bunch of odd smelling puddles. Methane makes puddles. Again, we took photos of those. Like, the liquid, like, methane, uh, it was like a steam, methane's a steam, right? Just one second. Uh, is there a liquid methane? I believe so. Oops. Um, yes, 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 there is. It does exist. So, again, I believe to, no, hold on, I believe to make that, you need, like, you need it to be, like, super, super cold. Like, I believe on Europa, I believe mm. there's some, like, moon of Saturn or Jupiter, I believe Saturn. Uh. Um, there is liquid methane, but again, the only way to make it is, it has to be, like, over, like, 150, uh, so, minus 150 Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I'll Google it. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no, no. That's not really possible. Uh, so, yeah, that those are probably just funky puddles. So, <laughs> again, we took photos of them, looked back, were there. Something's up with that cave. I want to go back there. I really want to go back there. Take photos again. See if that mist is still there. See if those puddles are still there. Take a photo of those puddles. Then look at the photos with the puddles. Are the puddles in there in the photos? If not, well, ghost methane. Ghost water. Ghost smelly water. Ghost smell. Okay. Ghost water. (laughs) Just ghost water. All right. Should we end the podcast uh, here? Oh, wait, 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 wait. One second. Oh. I need to uh, share the, the QAnon link with you. One second. Wabooey. Okay, it's sent to you. So, let's just do one of them.
one uh, little bit here. So, let's look at, um, hmm, I think, One. Let's look at conspiracy number one. Let's lose exactly conspiracy another one. Uh, it's the one with one and then an evil cult is ruling the planet. Oh, now we got there. Oh, there we go. Okay, so, the claim isn't exactly new to QAnon. Conspiracy is about ruling class of evil elites, aka the Illuminati, have been around for decades, as, well, we all know. Uh, <laughs> infamous Rothschilds are often included in these stories. Q is no exception. About the Rothschilds are likely how celebrities like Nick Cannon have justified their recent streak of unbounded anti semitism. Uh, Q claims Epstein's Island was not only a trafficking ring, but also housed a satan satanic cult where humans were sacrificed. It argues that this cult engaged in the bloodletting of children. And it claims that many of our leaders and celebrities are involved. Some even models who like to share recipes for rice pudding. Blood rice pudding? And holistic rice pudding. Yeah. What? What? Like, yeah, it's rice pudding. It's fine. No, 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 it, it's cannibalistic rice pudding. Yes. Okay. Yes. The rice pudding okay. is made of the children. Okay, okay, you're going a little crazy. Uh, I just want to blend in. <laughs> or they're gonna find me and replace me with a claw. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> hold on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you something. I'm gonna send you something. Okay, okay. Thanks. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't even, I don't know how to start even think about going on. We've like, been recording for about an 45 hour. minutes. I think we should soon. So, uh, so one more thing. Curon claims symbolism will be their downfall in a post allegedly depicting the Clintons wearing satanic crosses. Boy. Um, that's, uh, evil, I think. Is this? Is Satanism illegal in America? <laughs> um, yes. It's well, a uh, certain, yep. 
just very ill-advised. Um, on a change... History, your search history is gonna be weird. <laughs> yep, it will. It will. I... I don't know how to comprehend this. I'll probably look, like, dive deeper into this one, uh, next week for the QAnon bit. So, that was our first episode of, uh, Cult. Wait, no, no, no. This was the Gusif. The Gusif. This is the Gusif. So, this is the Gusif. Uh, if you want to contact us, uh, the Gmail. The email will be, uh, in the description, uh, so, yeah, uh, we might be doing this next week, the week after, I don't know, really, uh, I have no idea what day this will be posted, but, this is our first episode, and, it is tough. <laughs> Bye, Kaden. Okay, and that's the end.